Good evening, folks, and welcome back on this Saturday, the 22nd day of July, 2023. I'm your host, Mark Hall, and I guess this week I'm going to begin with something that I've said a number of times, but uh, I'm not going to say this time I really mean it, but this time it's practically off the charts. This is the week where, arguably, any American paying attention can no longer even remotely deny that uh, if there is a God, and if he is paying attention, and I believe that the answer to both those questions is yes, then this is also a nation that his word says, in no uncertain terms, is deserving of judgment. And if that sounds like quite a statement, I'm going to begin this evening with a couple of what I will call bookend stories to make that case. The first one came from the early part of the week, and I'll admit, when I first saw it, I thought, oh, come on. Yeah, another lying Satan worshiper, and we already knew that. I had the text sitting here in front of me. But somehow, folks, listening to one of these SOBs actually come out and lie to your face just seems to resonate a bit more. And yes, as I play this one, I'm going to point out up front, it is arguably the biggest bunch of stinking, feeded, literally deadly lies I think I've ever heard come out of a military officer, much less National Security Council spokesliar, present or former, bar none. This was a press conference from the whorehouse, uh, you know what color it is, Maybe we don't anymore. Where so-called Admiral John Kirby, national security spokeslayer, said on Monday that killing babies is, quote, a foundational sacred obligation of military leaders, sick, across the river. <laughs> the river sticks? The problem is that Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville has blocked hundreds of senior military appointments of equally evil people, you can have no doubt, because they don't let the good ones make the higher ranks anymore. You're either PC or you're passe, until the Department of Defense, sick, scraps its policy offering to pay at taxpayer expense for abortions for service members and other so-called gender-affirming health care and all kinds of crap that has nothing to do, folks, with military readiness. But that's not the lie you're going to hear, because the Supreme Court last year, as you may recall, overturned protections for the highest satanic leftist sacrament talking about abortion, but pretty soon it'll be transgender mutilation. And you're already paying for that, although the military doesn't even bother to defend the borders anymore. So Kirby was asked a question. The question wasn't nearly as idiotic as the response. Is abortion really necessary in order to promote military readiness is kind of what it boiled down to. And here's as much of the answer as we can stand to listen to. Why is the new DOD policy on abortion critical to military readiness? I'm really glad you asked that question. No, I mean, I really am. One in five members of the U.S. military are women, 20%. We're an all-volunteer force. Nobody's forcing you to sign up and go. People volunteer to go. You raise your right hand and you say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this for a few years or even for my life. And it might cost me my life to do it. Especially since we intend to inject you with things that you know may damn well kill you. And when you sign up and you make that contract, you have every right to expect that the organization, in this case the military, is going to take care of you, and they're going to take care of your families. Full stop. I'm going to ask it again. Does providing health care include injecting you against your will? How about reproductive health care, since you'll probably never bear children after that, regardless of what sex you started out as? 
This damnable liar has started out with a lie of omission, not bothering to tell the whole story, but he is fixing to really double down and commit lies of commission repeatedly. You have every right to expect that the organization, in this case the military, is going to take care of you, and they're going to take care of your families, and they're going to make sure that you can serve with dignity and respect, no matter who you are or who you love uh, or, uh, or how you worship or don't. Of course, if you don't worship the way we want you to, don't let the door hit you in the butt on the way out. And don't expect a promotion. And, um, and our policies, whether they're diversity, inclusion, and equity, or whether they're about transgender individuals who qualify physically and mentally to serve to be able to do it with dignity, or whether it's about female service members, one in five. Full stop. Now talk about hypocrisy. Talk about lying through your damnable teeth. Stop right there to insert something that absolutely, I believe, makes the point. It's every bit as germane as anything this lying hypocrite is saying. This story comes from Zero Hedge, also Fox News, and a Senate Armed Services Committee hearing. An 18-year-old real female military recruit, you know, one of those that Big Brother's liars tell you they're so concerned about, was forced to shower with and sleep in between transgender biological males under the Biden regime policies, placing her in what she told the Senate committee was an extremely uncomfortable position. Hmm. I doubt she intended the pun. The incident was highlighted on Tuesday during a Senate Armed Services Committee hearing, says Zero Hedge's summary, after which Senator Mike Rounds of South Dakota told the outlet that the non-preferred gender identity woman was afraid to speak out because of concern for her career, and that her options were basically limited, either keep quiet about it or resign from her early career position. And let me rephrase that just a bit, folks, in the vernacular, the kind of thing that an admiral like John Kirby might say, off camera, of course. Suck it up, honey, or don't let the door hit you in the butt on the way out. The story goes on to say that the young recruit was being deprived of privacy, and I don't think they really cared that much about any reproductive health issues she may have been worried about either. But I will give the pentagram this. I'm sure they would have been more than happy to pay for an abortion for her. Okay, well, you know, the taxpayers, that is. Added Senator Rounds, most of the focus, and here he's talking about the Biden regime, is on transgender individuals, not on the individuals who are working with them. And yeah, I'll say it again. When it comes to retention, guess who they could care less about retaining? And in a statement to Fox News Digital, the Pentagram said, quote, DOD policy is that all service members must be treated with dignity and respect, unless we just plain don't give a damn about you, obviously. Uh, back to the quote, uh, we would encourage any troop who feels uncomfortable or has concerns about privacy in shared spaces to work through their chain of command. Commanders may employ reasonable accommodations to respect the privacy interests of service members, unquote. Which means, since you're not a preferred gender, well, let me say it again, don't let the door hit you in the butt on the way out. Uh, if you think there's some hypocrisy here, folks, hey, it pales in comparison to the fact that they really don't give a damn about military readiness, much less defending these United States against, well, pretty much anything that's a real threat, obviously including enemies from within. All right, well, let's pick up with the satanic prevaricator right where we left off. Our policies, whether they're diversity, inclusion, and equity, or whether they're about transgender individuals who qualify physically and mentally to serve to be able to do it with dignity, or whether it's about female service members, one in five, or female family members being able to count on the kinds of health care and reproductive care specifically that they need to serve. Uh, that is a foundational, sacred obligation 
of military leaders across the river. All right, full stop. And there it is, folks. That's got to be one of the most disgusting, absolutely anti-American lies I've ever heard come out of the mouth of somebody pretending to defend the country and worry about military readiness. Let's not kid ourselves. They've been injecting service men, women, aviators, Marines, soldiers, you name it, with something which was A, untested, and B, they knew damned well was, in fact, going to diminish or even destroy their immune system, if not their heart and lungs and entire cardiovascular system to boot. The military's own database says that cancers, just cancers alone among service members, are up a thousand percent since the satanic Zyklon B injection mandate. And don't even ask about miscarriages and sterility because they're still hiding that data. Remember, they wanted all of it to be hidden for 75 years. But what we do know is, yeah, it is up dramatically as well. And let's not talk about vax and boosted pilots, military and civilian, who die in the cockpit or on their way to the airport because, uh, well, that's simply not allowed. And this is somebody who's prattling about military readiness and sacred obligations. They have a sacred obligation not to kill people who sign up for military service. Oh, yeah, and they're supposed to defend the country, too, not politically correct satanic crap. I'm going to play just one more bit of this. I've seen it myself, and it matters because it says we're invested in you because you are being willing to invest in us. You're investing your life, your family's livelihood with us. We owe you that back in return. Now, at this point, I can say something with assurance. John Kirby does not believe in a hell, much less a God of the Bible, because if he did, he'd also have to believe he now deserves to burn there. Oh, yeah, and I'll add one more thing at this point, too. These stories, I suggest, are indicators to Americans that, uh, increasingly, we have been warned. I don't think it's possible to see these things happening and fail to recognize not just the level of hypocrisy, but the unbelievable, at least once unbelievable anyway, level of evil that is being revealed. Now, before I get to the next bookend here, I have to set it up with something that also happened earlier on in the week. The correction comes from Mike Adams via Natural News, and it says fact check. No, RFK Jr. did not, in fact, say that COVID was an ethnically targeted bioweapon that spared Jews. What he said was it was an ethnically targeted bioweapon that attacked whites and blacks. And here, folks, i got to add a personal admission. I occasionally listen to True News, hosted by Rick Wiles and occasionally even an old friend of mine. And even though Rick correctly and accurately quoted what RFK Jr. actually said, he played the tape even, he still bought into the lie and said that RFK Jr. claimed that the bioweapon was engineered to, quote, protect, unquote, Ashkenazi Jews, which is not at all the same thing as being engineered to attack another ethnicity. And I would have hoped he'd know better. The Internet as a blaze begins the debunking here with a story, bogus as it might be, that claims RFK Jr. said that COVID was an ethnically targeted bioweapon that was engineered to spare Jews and Chinese people. The headline from the New York Post, he says, captures the meme that's going wild. Quote, RFK Jr. says COVID was, and then subquote, ethnically targeted to spare Jews. Unquote. The New York Post offers outstanding coverage, notes Adams on many important issues, but this time they blew it. They got it wrong big time because RFK never actually said he believed COVID was ethnically targeting certain groups while sparing Jews and Asians. Yet few people actually bothered to read what he actually said, which is the following. And they've added their own emphasis, which I can do when I read it to you. COVID-19. There is, he said, an argument that it is ethnically targeted, and that, folks, is true. 
COVID-19 attacks certain races disproportionately, continued RFK Jr. The races that are most immune to COVID-19 because of the genetic differentials among different races, because of the receptors, the ACE2 receptor, COVID-19 is targeted to attack Caucasians and black people. The people who are most immune are Ashkenazi Jews and Chinese. We don't know, he said, whether it was deliberately targeted or not, but there are papers out there that show the racial or ethnic differential and impact, unquote. And as Adams correctly summarized, in other words, what RFK Jr. actually said, and this is accurate, is that certain ethnic groups are more susceptible to SARS-CoV-2 infections because they carry more different ACE2 receptor sites, which is determined by genetics. And that statement is, in fact, true. Whereupon he quotes the 2021 scientific paper published by MedRxIV.org. And I've quoted that site, folks, and this paper on this very same news show, claiming that those Those of European ethnicity are most susceptible to COVID-19 infections compared to Asians and other groups. And Natural News links to the paper. I got to say it. I think it's ironic that people who literally deserve to be tarred and feathered or worse, well, yeah, let's just come right out and say it, tried for treason, not to mention crimes against humanity like, but not limited to, Tony Fauci, managed to get away with it. They have coverage, protection from the mass media as well as Big Brother. Uh, their public-private partners, while those who threaten that very same establishment seem to be not only the subject of attacks, but often get their heads handed to them. Amazing, isn't it? Here, then, is the bookend story from the latter part of the week. This came out Thursday when RFK Jr., who is, of course, running for president as a Democrat, ironically, of the kind that just plain doesn't otherwise exist anymore, testified before a U.S. House committee. The House Committee, essentially, on the attack on Americans. Let's see, officially it's the Subcommittee on the Weaponization of the Federal Government. And it was literally downright shocking. They lit into him with tongs. These are some genuine, I mean genuine, anti-free speech scumbags. Debbie Wasserman Schultz, the, the primary Nazi, the, the ranking member of the committee, before a word came out of Kennedy's mouth, was essentially saying, we want to cut him off. Why has he got ten minutes on the agenda? He should only have five. And uh, we, we don't want him to testify at all. And once he said something, and he said what, I'm going to quote her in a second, She was even more livid. So were the other anti-free speech types. And what happened was, prior to Kennedy's testimony, there were 102 House Democrats signed a letter that that they said they want to censor this guy. And they wanted to rescind his invitation to testify. Why? Well, because if you heard about it over the weekend, they, they took something he said... Completely out of context, turned it into a lie. What Kennedy said was, in a uh, in a private dinner with some donors and talking to people, he said essentially that, uh, and he quoted the study, indicating that COVID was not natural, as if we didn't know that, that in fact it was even not only a bioweapon, but an ethically targeted bioweapon that had larger effects on Caucasians and black uh, people. Caucasians and black people, which meant in particular there were other races that had less genetic overlap, and he named two of them, Asians and Ashkenazi Jews, and as a result, uh, there was a disproportionate attack on the um, the racially directed groups. Now, what they said was, and I heard even some so-called conservative commentators say, oh, uh, Kennedy said that the, uh, the bioweapon protected Jews, which is absolute BS. It's a lie. So he started by addressing this letter in which the uh, anti-speech leftist claimed that he was an anti-Semite. I'll quote one piece, because he did, from that letter. 
Kennedy has repeatedly attacked two groups that have long been subject to deadly discrimination. His own credibility as a witness is non-existent. What a lie. Allowing Mr. Kennedy to serve as a witness before the select subcommittee only serves to legitimize his anti-Semitic and anti-Asian views, they said. Now, he addressed that right off the bat. I thought he did brilliantly. But he concluded by saying the 102 people that signed this is evidence of the very problem this hearing was convened to address. This, he said, is an attempt to censor a censorship hearing. And what I loved was the guy was, uh, he is a bridge builder. Let's face it. And um, I have admiration for him. I disagree on a whole lot of things that Kennedy uh, stands for. He's, he's a true old-fashioned liberal. But on the other hand, the man has integrity, the likes of which not a single leftist there could even touch because he showed them integrity. He showed them how it's done. For example, one of the things that RFK Jr. said that real Americans at least once could agree on was, quote, we need to be able to talk. And the First Amendment was not written for easy speech. It was written for the speech that nobody likes you for, unquote. And I literally, folks, don't have time to play too many quotes from the hearing. I'm going to try to do one here in just a minute because it's downright unbelievable. But honestly, some of the longer ones, the vitriol, the literally demonic facial expressions, the hatred, the rabid response, you have to see to believe. And I think Americans will get a lot out of it. And I certainly encourage listeners here, watch as much of it as you can stand. Because it encapsulates what is wrong, what has happened to America, why, if there is a God, and I certainly believe there is, it is deserving of judgment. If you watch it, this is simply where it all comes together. Because the testimony, the things that Kennedy said, and particularly the attacks against him by some of the leftists, Debbie Wasserman Schultz was absolutely rabid, fascist, anti-free speech. People have to see it. I can't even quote her. You've got to watch her facial expression. You've got to watch this demon viper attack a man for daring to say that the First Amendment protects free speech. And her literally, um, you know, like a demon confronted with a cross and some holy water in a movie, you got to watch the response. But she wasn't alone. Some of the other leftists were just as rabid as the word. And uh, I think it's the kind of thing that when Americans see it, they'll be horrified. They will literally recoil. The one I'm going to play is this anti-free speech screed from Stacy Plaskett, a so-called non-voting representative from the Virgin Islands, who at least begins with an appropriate question. I'll put this in there just because it's funny. Why are we here? Why? It's a good question. They hate the Bill of Rights. She put her hand on a Bible. She lied. Why, for example, aren't we talking about hyperinflation and the things this regime has done to Americans? And you can guess that's not exactly how she put it. But it's obvious she really hates free speech. She just can't imagine why the Republican leadership would allow people like Robert F. Kennedy Jr. to even have a platform. Of course, she wouldn't. But she's going to pull a cork out of the bottle of lies here. Why would the Republican leadership in the committee majority give a hearing and a platform to the witnesses today, specifically to Mr. Kennedy, a man who has recently claimed that COVID-19 is targeted to attack Caucasians and black people. The people who are most immune are Ashkenazi Jews and Chinese. And interestingly, that is actually true. And it's not at all how Debbie Wasserman Schultz twisted it, but notice she doesn't contradict that one either, because it's already out there festering. And the rest of this you can just listen to and uh, hear how sausage is made. Before that, in his film, Medical Racism, The New Apartheid, that film stated that COVID-19 vaccines do not work for black children because of their, quote, kick-ass 
kick-ass kind of immune system, that hyper, superhuman, subhuman kind of language. Also said, he also said, even in Hitler's Germany, you could cross the Alps to Switzerland. You could hide in an attic like Anne Frank did to imply Jews in Nazi Germany had more freedoms than unvaccinated Americans during the COVID-19 pandemic. Oh, good grief. Enough of that. And then she says, how dare Republicans say this hearing's about free speech? And listen carefully to this admission about what she really thinks about the First Amendment. This is not the kind of free speech that I know of. The free speech that is protected by the Constitution's First Amendment. What? You mean there actually still is some? Let's listen. The free speech that is protected by the Constitution's First Amendment. But free speech is not an absolute. The Supreme Court has stated that. Uh, and others' free speech that is allowed, hateful, abusive rhetoric, does not need to be promoted in the halls of the people's house. And remember, this was after they tried and failed to shut him up. There are things they simply don't want you to hear. Two more items from the hearing. And again, I encourage folks, you just have to see it for yourself. Kennedy said to the committee, if a government can censor its critics, that's a license for every atrocity. It is the beginning of totalitarianism. Well, folks, the beginning was years ago. They've been doing it. Once you start censoring, continued RFK Jr., you're on your way to dystopia and totalitarianism, unquote. And the only complaint I would have there is we're there and we saw it. And uh, he basically is too much of a bridge builder to come right out and say it. And that's probably the only place where I disagree with him. I think there's a time for bluntness. But I will give the man this. When it comes to rising above the fray, there's probably nobody better at it than um, RFK Jr. And uh, when it comes to defending free speech, he demonstrated that he's probably the number one proponent in the United States, certainly at least openly running for president, with the possible exception of Tucker Carlson. And, yeah, there's more speculation than ever on that front, which leads me to suggest, again, that I wish that Donald Trump had half the integrity for defending free speech. And he'll talk about it, but he certainly dropped the ball on that score when he had the bully pulpit at minimum. But I wish Trump was as much of a proponent of free speech as either Tucker Carlson or uh, RFK Jr. is. Let's wrap up this segment with one more lie revealed. It's almost, by comparison anyway, humorous, because it certainly indicates the depth and breadth of what we're seeing, and also the fact that just maybe, and in spite of the fact that in some cases they're just plain doubling down on it, it still can't be hidden anymore. This is a clip that I saw courtesy of Hal Turner's radio show concerning climate criminal Carrie who's been caught more times than we can count lying about non-existent man-made global warming. And, oh, yes, he burns all kind of jet, eh, getting to these places where the billionaires gather to talk about what they're going to do to you once they eliminate carbon. And that means you, since you're carbon. But this is just downright precious. And remember, this is a guy who was born into money and privilege, but married into even more, courtesy of Heinz 57. And he may have a whole lot in common with the Clinton crime family, too connections that go way, way back, but obviously he's not quite as good at telling the Clintonian lie. So uh, here we go. So uh, I just don't agree with your facts, which began with the presentation of one of the most outrageously persistent lies that I hear, which is this private jet. We don't own a private jet. I don't own a private jet. I personally have never owned a private jet. And obviously it's pretty stupid to talk about coming in a private jet from the State Department up here. It just honestly, if that's where you want to go, go there. A few moments later. You uh, 
just testified under oath that you never owned a private jet. Mr. Chairman, I'd like to enter into the record article here from February 15th of 2023. John Kerry family private jet was sold shortly after accusations of climate hypocrisy. Mr. Secretary, do you stand by that testimony that you've never owned or your family? I personally, yes, my wife owned a plane. No, no, John, you're supposed to say it all depends on what the meaning of the word own is. As for the rest of us, folks, I think the point is we are literally without excuse from here on out for not seeing through the lies. We'll be right back. Welcome back now to the second segment for this evening. This is, again, your host, Mark Hall. One of the other things I thought was interesting this week was the incredible volume of smoke and also the fact that some of the smoke, at least, was starting to clear, maybe because there are hurricane winds coming in. So we'll start this one off with another example of stories that Big Brother and his public-private minions simply don't want you to hear. This one originally didn't seem to get any coverage. Basically, it still hasn't in the United States. Well, okay, from the waste stream anyway. Even though you might think that normally, especially the left, would have jumped right on it. Here's the headline. I'll tell you where it's from in just a second. Six people, including children, died in a stabbing attack Monday at a kindergarten. I guess when I tell you who is reporting it, I'll tell you where, too. Literally in a place where socialism or even outright communism rules the roost. Unless you think I'm talking about the District of Criminal Swamp or even the People's Republic of California on the far left coast. Nope. This is even, well, maybe not, but at least it's almost as far left. The kindergarten is in southern China. And here's the problem, folks. It was a stabbing attack, as I kind of sort of mentioned. And the piece from JustTheNews.com says knife attacks continue at schools in the gun-free country at a dramatic pace. And notes that China, which has very strict gun laws, especially for peons, has experienced multiple recent kindergarten stabbings. Which pretty well nails the explanation of why you're not hearing it from any of the criminally negligent networks. Or their fact-checkers. So let's go now to the all-news pipeline, which is where I actually first saw the story. Under this headline, America's gun-grabbing ghouls and traitors to the U.S. Constitution won't tell you about this mass murder of six young children in a kindergarten just days ago. And you can probably guess why. The National Socialist Media, hmm, isn't that an interesting way to put it, didn't blast the details of the crime for hours at a time for the simple reason that doing so would eviscerate at least a few of their cherished anti-freedom official waste stream narrative tropes. You see, it took place under their favorite form of collectivist government, socialism, with outright 
communist Chinese characteristics. That would have damaged their, the U.S. is violent because there are guns, don't you know, virtually everywhere. Oh, yeah, and also the communism is a worker's paradise narrative. And it was a knife attack, too, so they couldn't blame guns. And they had nothing to exploit and nothing to cynically gain from someone else's pain and loss. Says D. Parker, writing for the ANP, this latest example is just a microcosm of the widespread problem we face because we have collectivist control of the political spectrum that's so obsessed with the actions of inanimate objects that they've gone off the rails. And going in that direction endangers people, obviously, for those with eyes to see anyway, instead of protecting them, which is why they've lost the argument on guns and therefore will turn to force, violence, confiscation, and, yep, exactly what tyrants have done and used throughout history. The rest of the story goes on to talk about things that you've probably heard about. They're certainly worth understanding, but they're not necessarily where I want to go today, because honestly, I think regular listeners here already know the conclusion, and probably even consider them beyond obvious. Because, very briefly, and this is only part of the volumes of evidence, really, official crime rate numbers from the FBI make the case, if you pay attention, undeniable. The number of crimes per 100,000 inhabitants and a study on the effectiveness, or lack thereof, of the 1994 so-called assault weapons ban, along with Pew Research polling, makes the case, again, that the founders knew full well. Guns don't murder people. Criminals do. A full 60% of convicted felons admit that they avoided committing various crimes when they knew the victim was armed. <laughs> Duh. And armed victims have been shown to prevent an almost 7,000 crimes each and every day. And disarming people and making them fodder for anybody that wants to mug, assault, rape, steal from them, or just outright kill them is a fool's errand. Well, unless that is, there's another agenda. And as the piece here notes, they don't want to stop crime or drive-by shootings or any mass murders for the simple reason that those tragedies can be exploited to continue their process of disarming the innocent. All the better to make them victims of what they have planned after that. Which is really what so much of the news points to, especially of late, each and every day. And with that on the table, folks, I want to talk about some other stories that illustrate different and variant aspects of that very same agenda. Yes, it's a target-rich environment, but let's start here. Courtesy of a piece from Christina Layla at the Gateway Pundit about a man who was not only once a major waste media host, but also a former Secret Service agent, Dan Bongino, who said he's spoken to some of his former colleagues in the U.S. Secret Service and that they are, in fact, absolutely furious about the so-called investigation of the White House coke by the agency. They closed, as you're probably aware. They're not investigation into the Biden White House and uh, who knows how many cokeheads there and their cocaine scandal without conducting any interviews. No suspect was identified, well, at least not that they're going to tell you about. No fingerprints, no DNA samples, not even so much as any leads. According to Secret Service spokeswire Anthony Guglielmi, the agency didn't interview the 500 potential culprits because that would have been a strain on resources. In other words, the higher-ups don't want to be fired, I think. Dan Bongino said he's received a number of texts and emails from former colleagues in the agency, and they're outright furious over the sham investigation. He explained that the West 
wing is, in fact, a, quote, limited access area and said there's probably less than 200 people who could have left this cocaine, by the way, in a bag which is plastic, non-porous, meaning it's probably not that hard to pull a latent print. They've got to know who did it, he said. Same thing that President Trump said the other day, probably for the very same reasons. The question is, and this is an obvious one you're not going to hear asked by the waste stream, who's pressuring them to not find out who did it, or probably already knows, blankety-blank and well, exactly who did it. And it's got to be coming, said Bongino, from this White House. This, he added, is terrible. And then he said, don't destroy this agency like they did the FBI. It's really unbecoming. A lot of my former colleagues in this Secret Service who are retired, they're absolutely furious about this. And then he put it this way. These are good guys, man, guys who've worked for Obama and Bush, you know, the nonpartisan guys. Most of them aren't even political. It's embarrassing. They know exactly who it was. Asked by Daily Signal reporter Mary Margaret Olihan, the obvious question, well, is it, you know, Hunter or one of his friends? Bunchina responded. But, like, here's the thing. So I'm in the Secret Service 12 years, you know, a good amount of time. We never had this problem. So nobody bought by Occam's razor, right? The process of deduction, keep things simple, keep it simple, stupid, Occam's razor. You got this guy. We never found coke in there before. You got a dude who's doing coke on tape, who's got a reputation of being a cokehead. He's living in the White House. He's there on Friday. The, 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 the coke's found on Sunday, and everybody's like, gosh, who could it be? And he reiterated his concern that whether it's this cokehead or others, the Biden regime and the so-called Biden White House is going to destroy faith in the Secret Service. And maybe, folks, they've already done it. And speaking of destroying faith, here's another obvious example. This comes from the Daily Mail, and that's probably the most interesting aspect to it. This is a leftist, uh, well, publication that at least more and more is finally starting to uh, admit the official narrative needs major revisions. And this is a long time coming part of that. Tony Fauci, and they use a title I'm not going to put in the same sentence with that scumbag here, was tonight, the story begins, accused of lying under oath, gee, do you think, over his knowledge of the dangerous virus research going on, at least in communist China, which, says the piece, is feared to have caused the, and they spelled it wrong, but you know the way it's pronounced, plandemic. DailyMail.com, they say, can now reveal that Senator Rand Paul, Republican from Kentucky, wrote to Attorney General, sick, Merrick Garland last week, calling for an investigation, as if that was going to make a blankety-blank and bit of difference, into whether or not Dr. Mengele, or Fauci, age 82, committed perjury when he testified in front of a Senate committee back in 2021 at the height of the Fauci flu pandemic. In what they call a showdown with Republicans, including Senator Paul in July of that year, Fauci testified that his former agency, quote, has not ever and does not now fund gain-of-function research in the Wuhan Institute of Virology, unquote. And we know how it's done, folks. This is the Clintonian truth, right? (laughs) We didn't fund it. We just funded those who do fund it. (laughs) Aren't we clever? Fauci was the former director, as you no doubt remember, of the NIAID, the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, until the end of 2022, and was responsible for signing off on research grants. Not only that, folks, but if you read RFK Jr.'s book, he basically was the guy who pulled the purse string of everything that was called medical Ahem, science. If you crossed Fauci, in other words, you wouldn't work in that town or any town, in science anyway, ever again. 
And yet, continues the story, newly released emails dated February 1 of 2020 show that Fauci acknowledged that, quote, scientists in Wuhan University are known to have been working on gain-of-function experiments to determine that molecular mechanisms associated with bat viruses adapting to human infection and the outbreak originated in Wuhan, unquote. And I guess at this point, it's good that the Daily Mail adds perjury is a federal offense that carries up to five years in prison. Of course, it's never been applied to anybody who so richly deserved it in this regime at all, folks, although they hint about it all the time. While the emails, they say, show that Fauci was aware of -of gain-of-function going on in the lab, he never actually admitted that the NIH funded it. And I have to add words in here that are ever so apropos, directly or indirectly. But the GAO, or Government Accounting Office, has determined last month that the Wuhan Institute of Virology and Wuhan University did, in fact, receive NIH funding, as Dr. Paul said in his letter to the SS boss, A.G. Garland. Now, folks, it's way too little, way too late, literally years too late at this point, and who knows how many tens of thousands, no millions of deaths, But at least Paul is dotting the I's and crossing the T's. He cited the paper by WIV scientists titled, quote, Discovery of a rich gene pool of bat SARS-related coronaviruses provides new insights into the origin of SARS coronavirus. And the paper specifically talks about ongoing efforts to produce a chimeric coronavirus, which means that it's been altered by man, otherwise known as, say it with me, folks, gain of function. They wanted to make it more virulent, more infectious, more, well, all kinds of good things that make bioweapons better at being bioweapons. In the details, Paul noted that the NIH was, in fact, a source of funding for that research and that he gave the reprobate every opportunity to fess up. And here I'm paraphrasing a bit, but he just kept doubling down. This next one I'm almost certain you've heard, and it's not even remotely surprising, hence we didn't need to start off with it, but I do have to throw it in the mix because of things we need to talk about after that. The deep state still wants Donald Trump dead. If they can't do that, they want to throw him in jail. But above all, they want to make blankety-blank ensure that he is silenced and never allowed to represent a threat to the powers that be ever again, because uh, there will not be a counter-revolution. And I'm sure you've heard it, but the Biden regime holy office of the Inquisition is not done with Donald Trump. He revealed that he has received a target letter, and that's appropriate, from special counsel sick Jack Smith regarding the Just Us Department and their bogus January 6th investigation into anybody who dares to suggest that that rigged election was anything but. Said the Daily Mail's coverage, on his true social account, Trump claimed that he faces, quote, arrest and indictment and was only given four days to respond to the letter, which he said he received Sunday night. And he has to speak with the grand jury. Not that it matters. You already know what they're going to do. But the real question is just how transparent will they be this time? Because the real goal is clear, to send a message to everybody else. But there's a not-so-hidden agenda, too, and that's distraction from obvious real crimes. Such as the House Oversight Committee, led by Representative James Comer of Kentucky, which held a hearing with IRS whistleblowers on Wednesday. At least two of them have now come forward to reveal that Hunter Biden and his big guy, Big Daddy, the fake president, have received, uh, to put it mildly, preferential treatment through what the Gateway Pundit properly calls a mop-up operation disguised as an investigation. How many times have you heard investigations that don't merit the title? 
And a quick aside here, folks, I'm thinking we really need two new words to replace investigation as used by the waste stream liars. One is when they're trying to cover up something they don't want you to know about. They call that an investigation as opposed to a smokescreen. And we've already seen that when it's the federal bunglers of investigation doing that, they can then claim, hey, we can't tell you the truth because that matter is under investigation. (laughs) Isn't that convenient? Ask us again in 75 years or so. The other is when they want to destroy someone who's actually innocent, so they call it an investigation rather than, say, an inquisition or a witch hunt, either of which is closer to the truth. But now, of course, with AI helping them to make up credible stuff, they could call it an outright fabrication. But you know they won't. And notice, by the way, that because of the symbiotic relationship here, these things tend to come in pairs. Something we need to hide, so we'll deploy the smoke, and something we need to distract you, so we'll deploy the inquisition. So let's go first to the real news that obviously needs to be covered up, even just the major bullet items that won't be talked about on the criminally negligent networks. An IRS official identified as Joseph Ziegler, who also self-identifies as both gay and Democrat. Nothing redundant about that, is there? Which is somehow supposed to make him more credible. But if you think that's going to be enough to inspire the leftist rags to actually cover it, think again told Congress on Wednesday that the Biden crime family, I hope you're sitting down, folks, received approximately 17 million bucks that they know about in payments from various foreign entities, China, Romania, and other countries. You can probably guess one of the names starts with a U, and you'd be right, because the Burisma Energy Company, you probably know the name if you don't get your news from one of those aforementioned public-private partners in Ukraine, paid the Biden crime family over 7 million bucks. And unless you drink the WAPO Kool-Aid, you no doubt remember what they got for it. Yeah, Joe Biden, tell them what they've won. I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko. They would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. I said, I'm telling you, you're not getting a billion dollars. I said, you're not getting a billion. I'm going to be leaving here. I think it was, what, six hours? I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a got fired and they put in place someone who was solid and notice folks that's before he got to be senile but it does sound like at least Burisma got their money's worth fast forward to Friday when the evidence has gotten so overwhelming that even the Daily Mail has come out and had to admit here's the headline FBI corroborated the claim that a Ukrainian oligarch bribed Joe and Hunter with 10 million bucks said a source close to the investigation DailyMail.com on Thursday, they wrote, Congress published that FBI agent's write-up of a 2020 interview. Notice how they kept it secret for years with a secret longtime informant who claimed that Mikola Zlochevsky, owner of the allegedly, yeah, sure, corrupt Ukrainian gas firm Burisma, told them of his scheme to bribe the fake president and a crackhead whore and son with 10 million bucks. Well, that's from one company, folks, and just one corrupt U.S. protectorate dictatorship. But at least it gives you a clue as to why the Biden Fuhrer is fixing to send American boys and girls to die over there. And as you also probably recall, rather than charging Hunter and the big guy with various felonies, from tax evasion to providing false statements to the feds, bribery would be somebody else's bailiwick. <laughs> Not in this regime, of course. The corrupt Biden fix-it arm of the crime family, known as the Department of Just Us, gave him the expected sweetheart deal. Two misdemeanors rather than lots and lots of felonies. We're saving those for anybody that dared not accept the results of the rigged election. Which brings me to at least one bit of the Inquisition. This story came out about midweek, and when I first saw it, I'll admit, my reaction was, come on, how many more of these do we have to see? Answer? 
as many as it takes. And as always, the timing isn't merely just suspicious, it's indicative. From the People's Republic of Dictator Whitmer's Michigan, and their own Merrick Garland wannabe, a true scumbag named Daynut Nestle, who of course really does check all the important leftist woke boxes, 16 Republican electors for President Donald Trump have been accused and indicted for a fraudulent effort, or so the frauds there say, to reverse President, no, I'm not even going to say it that way, the fake President Joe Biden's overwhelming, amazing, matter of fact, downright unbelievable victory in the state's 2020 election. You know, the one that was fake, rigged, and absolutely fraudulent to the core. But if you even think it, we know where you live. And the Inquisition is now coming after anybody and everybody who knows that, and more to the point, dared to try to do something about it, like trying to invoke a constitutional remedy. Each of the 16 people face eight bogus criminal charges, including conspiracy theories of various kinds. Isn't it funny? If you're the attorney general and a far-left Soros type, you can make up conspiracy theories and charge real people with them that don't even have to have anything remotely resembling facts to back them up and probably get away with destroying their lives, too. Election law forgery. And get this, they are being charged with the felony crime of ahem, uttering and publishing. How's that for gang rape in the First Amendment? I think it's not fair to say that this regime, and now the state of Michigan too, has charged somebody, or maybe a lot of somebodies, with violations of every single element that was once protected by that First Amendment thing. So they've gone beyond the grievances that Jefferson and the founders talked about in that Declaration of Independence. They not only converted rights into privileges, but outright felonies. And they're sending people to the gulag to boot. And as if that wasn't bad enough, this scum bitch, oh, did I say that? Yeah, I'm probably being too kind again, called the alleged plan a, quote, desperate effort to undermine democracy. And let me translate that for you into older English from just a few years back. You cursed brat! Look what you've done! I'm melting! Well, okay, these electors hardly destroyed any beautiful wickedness. This wicked witch still has her flying monkeys on the job. But the fact that they tried, and this is what now happens to them, tells you all you need to know. As does all the breathless propaganda-pushing leftist news BS. I literally didn't see any respectable, honest journalistic coverage in the first half dozen or so pages of a search return by the likes of Gulag. Even the Wall Street Journal uses the term false electors, but does at least put some of the hyperbole in quotes. But what's more, the stories note, Attorney General Dana Nessel hasn't ruled out more criminal charges if they need to keep the press occupied against additional defendants, said the office of the state inquisitor. So yeah, you have been warned. And as NBC's fake news puts it, this case is the first time that any members, I'm going to read it even though it gags me, the first time that any members of fake electoral college slates, in other words, duly appointed electors, which once upon a time, folks, would have been part of the Republican process of actually electing a president. Anyway, it's the first time anybody ever has been criminally charged for a non-crime like that. Although that's not exactly what the nothing-but-communism news said. 
Now, at this point, let me return to that web search I did just to see how the rest of the fake news was approaching the story. And they are definitely drinking the Bud Light. If you go to any search engine that eventually goes to Gulag, you'll find these top stories. No surprise here. All very left-leaning. First are several from CNN. What we know about the 16 fake electors charged in Michigan. And how about this one? Michigan AG charges participants in 2020 fake election plot. Notice the slant there. If this had been a real attorney general, you know, like one with integrity, who actually takes their oath of office seriously, they would be using the term conspiracy theory to describe the persecution. And then next on the list, we've got AP News. Sick. Don't want to forget NPR. And how about the New York Times, then Politico, and the official Michigan.gov site? No, there's certainly no agenda at play here. Battle lines being drawn Nobody's right If everybody's wrong Young people speak their minds By the way, you start putting the smoke and the inquisitions together and you come up with a great quote from IRS whistleblower Gary Shapley before Congress. He said, quote, This case was presented to two presidentially appointed U.S. attorneys in the District of Criminals, he just said D.C., and California. And that no charges were brought in those districts, he said, tells you everything you need to know, unquote. So does the fact that another round of charges against the actually elected president is coming out, hey, who could have thought it, simultaneously. And there's this, too, from the Secret Service. And how many times do we have to hear this? A GOP congressman, Tim Burchette of Tennessee, said that the Secret Service has now destroyed all the DNA evidence after they blew up that baggie of cocaine, quote, because apparently when they went in and got the bag, they treated it as a biological entity. And for some reason, but we know what it is, don't we, folks? For some reason, he said they destroyed it, because to me, it just seems like they would go in there with the hazmat suits on, put it in a protective bag, take it to a lab for analysis, but instead, they apparently blew the thing up. It is, he said, continuing the quote, just a complete joke and a nightmare, unquote. No, it's not, folks. It's really just business as usual. Which leads me to close today with a question I have been pondering a lot lately. Not only what is it going to take for Americans to wake up and realize that the constitutional republic that many of us grew up in is dead, stick a fork in it. The United States military, which we once rightfully respected, is also virtually equally dead. And it's going to be communist China and Russia that will probably stick a fork in this one, although I wouldn't put it past North Korea and Iran to be able to do it at this point as well. Not to mention MS-13 over an open southern border. So the question, folks, actually has to do with judgment. Whether you believe in a God who honors his word or not, it still boils down to when is enough finally enough. Are we there yet? <laughs>